Hello, everyone. It's your Squeeze the World gaming podcast for this week. I'm Greg. And I'm Patrick. And uh, we got a great show for you today. A lot of stuff to talk about in the video game world. Uh, but before we do that, uh, Patrick, what have you been playing this week? Well, I have obviously been still playing Final Fantasy XIV. Um, not too much to do right now, considering we're in between major patches. But um, yeah. on the, uh, the backlog front, I've actually kind of... Um, I, uh, I'm taking a break from Persona 5, mm. and I'm uh, interesting. Basically, basically, I'm sh- well, I'm shifting my focus more toward, uh, at least as far as uh, home console games go. Um, shorter games? Uh, action, yeah, more action-based, like, shorter games that I can beat and that I know that I'm actually probably going to get rid of when I'm, Fair enough. when I'm done with them. I, I beat Sonic Colors earlier this week. Um, Full review to come? Uh, let me just put it this way. Um... Sonic Colors is one of those uh, games that uh, Sonic fans bring up whenever that's whenever somebody like badmouths modern Sonic because they have so many not so great games and they're like no so, there's always like Sonic Colors Sonic Generations is is Sonic oh that's not the new one where you you make your original character no that's Sonic Forces um, okay no. see they're all it's Sonic and then another word um, and I, I will attest that Sonic Generations is a is a damn good game I love hmm. that game but. Okay. Uh, Sonic Colors uh, is it's it's okay. Uh, I, I would not use it as a shiny example of how good the games can be. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, I'm currently playing uh, Kirby and the Rainbow Curse though, and on the 3DS I've been uh, focusing more on Hyrule Warriors Legends. Oh yeah, you sent me that weird screenshot from uh, Kirby. Yeah. What have you, what have you been, pl- been playing? Uh, well, I've actually I beat a game this week, Neat. and it was very short. And I started playing a game that I haven't played in a very long time that I'll I'll tie back later and when we we talk about Battlefront. Actually, uh, the game I beat I purchased in a humble bundle a few weeks ago. It's a horror game called Layers of Fear. I don't know if you've heard about it. I've You're uh, an heard artist. Of it. And you are painting your masterpiece, and your wife and daughter don't like you very much, and you go to get your stuff, and your house is all... Yeah. It's PT, basically. Your house makes no linear sense, and there's a ghost that shakes and attacks you, and... I, I watched um, I watched Markiplier play that some time ago. It was mm. really funky. Um, I mean, it was alright. It was, it was sort of the video game equivalent of one of those, like, found footage horror movies that I love to watch on Amazon. Like, I'm not going to tell anybody, yeah. like, a year from now how great it was, but it was fun enough while I was playing it. It's, of all the games that have come out that have been inspired by P.T., it's probably the most blatant. Uh, it does pretty much all of P.T.'s tricks. There's mm-hmm. a, a wife ghost that, you know, it's, it's attacks more, you. If, if I remember correctly, it's one of the better ones that I'd seen people play. It's pretty good. Um, and the game, I actually started playing Left 4 Dead 2 for the first time in years, randomly. And uh, okay. apparently there's still people playing it, and it's still a lot of fun. But I'll uh, I'll get into that later. Okay. So, so um, first, first, uh, yeah, first news item of the week. Um, the official uh, I can't even remember what the the fucking name of it is. The official video game, uh, game of the year awards, uh, the Game Awards 2017. Oh, I think Jeff Keighley. Yes, yes. Uh, I don't like Jeff Keighley, Mister. He's the guy with the picture of him with the Doritos. Like gamer fuel, and he looks like he wants to die. Um, like yeah, the, yeah, the, the tool. I know. What you're yeah, talking yeah. About. So uh, the game of the year nominees have come out. This is basically like the Emmys for video games, <laughs> and uh, it's it's interesting. We we're, we're gonna talk about it for a little bit, and we're gonna um, 
Patrick and I have both come up with our, our personal top three uh, Game of the Year nominees, Just, which... Real quick. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I remember when the... Uh, um, this when, when back when this this the, the video the, or the game awards or whatever first mm-hmm. started they were they were the Spike Video Game Awards. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Spike TV. Remember Spike TV? It's still around. Oh God. Um, but um, one of the funny things was the the first year, uh, that um that it, that it was out, every single award went to Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Mm. And I just, from then on, started calling it the Grand Theft Auto San Andreas Awards. Well, GTA San Andreas was pretty damn good. I haven't as, played it, so I don't know. I'm just saying, like, they, it, it, it seemed like they were going out of their way to make sure that Grand Theft Auto San Andreas won every single award. Well, you're not going to be too terribly shocked by these Game of the Year nominees. <laughs> no. I was going to say, you'll hear ours, too, maybe give you a little bit more insight into the, what kind of gamers we are. But the, the official Game of the Year nominees, there are five of them, are uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yep. Horizon Zero Dawn, yep. Super Mario Odyssey, yep. Persona Five, hmm. and Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. That's not out yet. So yeah, that's <laughs> actually something I wanted to talk about. <laughs> the first thing that jumps out at me is that Battlegrounds is an early access game. <laughs> Battlegrounds is not officially at 1.0. It's uh, sort it, of like like having a paid demo be you know, Game of the Year, and if PT couldn't be Game of the Year, then you sure as shit can't have Battlegrounds. It's, Not that I dislike Battlegrounds. It's certainly right. an important game. I mean, it sold, like, uh, something insane at this point, like 15, 20 million copies. Um, it certainly has changed the landscape for shooters, but... I guess, but they, they should really reserve that for games that have actually been released. Yeah, I, I especially think that... that with so many amazing games that have come out this year, Cuphead, Divinity Original Sin 2, um, you know, uh, all sorts of... Wolf, the new Wolfenstein, the new Assassin's Creed, which is apparently good, and your roommate was playing it downstairs, yep. um, that you would give it to an early access game. The other thing that I notice is that two out of four of these... Ga- two out of five of these games, a full 40% of these nominees are playable on last-generation consoles. Both Breath of the oh, Wild yeah. and Persona 5, you can actually play on systems oh, that yeah. are 10 years old. Yeah, when I, when I played Breath, when I had Breath of the Wild, I played on the Wii U. That's really interesting to me. Um, no huge surprises here. Uh, Zelda, Mario, obvious. Um, Persona 5, kind of a dark horse, honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I I knew Persona 5 was at least, uh, or Persona at the very least, is, is you know, is popular among, you know, um, like the JRPG, like, like even just like the, the Mega 10 fan base, but yeah. uh, I didn't expect it would gain so much exposure to um, to garner this kind of award. I mean, I, I'm... It's I'm that not... fucking soundtrack, man. Yeah, probably. I mean... Would you say that you never saw it coming? I... I... <laughs> <laughs> You know, I haven't heard the whole soundtrack, so it kind of went over my head for That's a second. That's the battle music. You'll never see it coming. Come on. I never memorized the lyrics to the songs. I'm going to have to cut that from the, the podcast. No, nobody needs to hear me sing. That's okay. So, uh, yeah, those are the nominees. Who, Which, if, snap judgment, what do you think is going to win Game of the Year this year? Probably what Mario your, Odyssey oh. because it came out the, the most recently, so it's still fresh in everyone's minds and overhyped as hell. Kind of like how Undertale won uh, best video game of all time a few months after it came out on the GameFAQs poll. Mm. 
Not not game facts polls are 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 only slightly less meaningful than the game of the year awards. Um, um, I mean, I mean, not to not to you know bash Undertale. It's one of my favorite games, but it was only three months after it came out. It wasn't really fair to put it on there. Well, Horizon. Um, you're talking about Mario is having a, a advantage because of its recent release. Horizon literally just had its DLC expansion come out mm-hmm. last week, so that that's a point in its favor. Have you played I, it? No, I have not played okay. the DLC expansion yet. Uh, probably won't for a while, but uh, I, I agree. I think both the Nintendo games sort of have this on lock, pretty much. Uh, I would be... I, my personal guess, if I had to... Uh, flip a coin would be Breath of the Wild because it was just so well reviewed but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see either of them uh, take home the solid gold Mountain Dew Gamer Fuel Game of the Year trophy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as much as I, I don't have a, I don't have a Switch. I don't plan on getting one anytime soon, but mainly for personal reasons. But I'm actually kind of glad to see the Switch knocking it out of the park this year. Yeah, uh, as as far as like you know exposure and uh, all the great games that it's getting. Plus, Portable Skyrim just came out this week, so yeah, I would say actually. Yeah, today. I was looking at a video of that online. It's it's pretty much graphically, it's pretty much the 360 version of Skyrim I'm, on the Switch. I'm, I'm which is totally pretty, okay with that. It's pretty nice. I mean, shit, I have the Ultimate Edition, Ultimate Edition, and the Regular Edition on Steam. Um, because you apparently got the Ultimate Edition for free if you had Skyrim and all the DLC. Uh, and I still play the original um, because I can get it to run in 60 frames per second and both of them are fucking beautiful. And I'll, I mean, I'll touch upon this later. It's not just, you know, last generation. From what I understand, because Doom came out on there recently. Or yes. Is, is coming, or is, is either coming out or is already out. Um, but uh, I think it is out. I think it came actually. out like last week. Um, but uh, from what I understand, Doom is like absolutely great on the Switch too. I don't... I, I don't know how I would feel playing a portable version of that game having played it on the PlayStation 4, but that's not a graphics issue. That's a... That's a control well, issue. I've and we're actually, been... I think we're going to talk about that a little bit because we have an article here about portable gaming before we get to the battlefront anger and rage <laughs> before I explain all, every facet of the utter bullshit saga that is the Star Wars Battlefront release. But Start preparing your popcorn, ladies and gents. But first, uh, just to get a little bit of a better handle on us, since you might not know us, uh, we both have prepared our... We decided to cap it at three to not take up the whole fucking episode, but uh, Patrick, what are your three personal choices for Game of the Year this year? Well, it was kind of easy because I didn't really buy a lot of games this year um, because I've kind of gone on like a sort of a fast with buying games at the moment for financial reasons and also backlog reasons, but um, I've seen your backlog. It's it's, it's mostly it's, RPGs. It's extensive, yeah. It's... it's <laughs> It's hard to justify buying a new game when it's like, I have The Witcher 3 sitting here, and it's like 80 fucking hours long. Uh, Geralt's looking at me like, now, what the fuck are you doing? Now, sorry, go uh, um, I, I'm going to get this out of the way. I Like <coughs> I mentioned earlier, I did get own Breath of the Wild, did play Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is not on my list. Uh, I didn't care for it as much as others. Ooh. I think it's a good game, um, but I just don't think it's the 10 out of 10 that everyone else says it is. Fair enough. Uh, so for my number three... Um, I went with Sonic Mania, um, because again, like I didn't buy a whole lot of other games, but not, that's not to, to, to bash Sonic Mania. I, I had a lot of fun playing it. Um, it's um, 
you know, it, it's, I mean, obviously between <laughs> Sonic Mania. It's the worst of the games I bought. <laughs> Our Squeeze the World Gaming, like, back-of-the-box quotes are fantastic. No. It's better than nothing, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not painful. It's not painful. <laughs> no, I, I really do enjoy Sonic Mania. Um, I, I was a big fan of Sonic back in the day, and, you know, m- much like other people like that, it was a breath of fresh air with a lot of the uh, the Sonic games that we've been getting. And, I mean, between the two Sonic games anyway, which are you going to pick? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, number two, um, even though I haven't finished it yet, uh, is Persona 5. Uh, I think it, it, it took me a bit to really get around to, to starting it because it is an RPG and I didn't want to get myself involved in another RPG. But what I have played uh, is really well done. Um, I know I, I have also been playing on safe mode, which is like the baby mode, but... Um, it's I, okay. You don't have to shame yourself every time you talk about Persona. I um I, I do like the battle system. I like how it's kind of streamlined, like one button for each thing. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of a neat touch. Um, and I am I'm very very interested to see where the story goes. Mm-hmm. Um, my my game of the year uh technically isn't a game, but um it's uh the expansion to Wall. the expansion to Final Fantasy XIV Stormblood. Oh, that counts. Yeah, I guess so. Um, there were people who gave uh, Blood and Wine for the Witcher 3 game of the year last year, so... Oh, fair enough. But I, I, I've i had the most fun with Stormblood, hands down. I've, I've kept my, my subscription going for, like, four months strong at this point. And, nice. Uh, uh, I, I know that there are a lot of people who did, said they didn't like the story very much. I actually did. I liked exploring all the new areas. Um, I liked all, a lot of the new content. It was it was the first time that I had been like at Endgame stuff the same time that everyone else got there. Oh, that's always good. Um, I mean, I still haven't done a lot of stuff like... Um, I'm not planning on doing a lot of stuff like the Savage uh, Raids and stuff like that, but what I have played has been very, very fun. I've been able to you know get together with friends and play, and that's always a plus. Um, and uh, overall, it's uh, good, good stuff. I had that problem in WoW where I would get to stuff in like the original campaign that was huge, that was like these monumental uh, epic battles that I arrived at like five years too late, so I would have to queue with people. Um, so for my my personal game of the year, um, first of all, I just want to say this was this is extremely difficult because 2017 is one of the best years for video games that I can remember in a long time. Uh, gaming has really bounced back. From the, like, the Assassin's Creed Unity Halo Collection, just straight up broken fucking games. Yeah, Extravaganza of a couple years ago. I was surprised that Assassin's Creed Origin had faces. Um, Everyone is uh, really, there's, uh, the AAA gaming is good, the the indie gaming with shit like Cuphead is is fantastic. So, um, there were a lot of games that I'm not going to have time to mention, but... uh, uh, number three is sort of a dark horse. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a game that is, didn't get a, didn't really get much mention from the gaming press because it came out back in January, and for most people, that's sort of like this game came out in 2017. Uh, but I've always been a, a big fan of the Resident Evil series, and mm-hmm. Resident Evil has been really hit or miss for a while. Uh, every time, for every sort of good game, uh, you get, like, the Resident Evil Revelations games, you get an absolute garbage stinker like Resident Evil 6, 
or mm. Operation Raccoon City. Uh, <laughs> I've heard about that game. <laughs> oh boy, I got that game in a Humble Bundle, and boy, oh boy, I'm glad that wasn't the reason I bought the Humble Bundle. <laughs> um, but Resident Evil 7 did something that's that's paradoxical, that it, it, it almost feels impossible. Um, it moved the series forward in an extremely interesting way by changing the viewpoint and by sort of overhauling the game but it simultaneously feels more like the P PlayStation 1 classic survival horror Resident Evils than any game in the series that's come out since those PlayStation 1 uh, PlayStation 1 Resident Evil games. Yeah, from what I've seen people play, it actually looks like a survival horror game and not a third-person shooter that ate too much marinara sauce. Yes, no, it's, it's good. Um, it's... Excellent. The the first person view gives lots of, of fear and scares, and the the bakers are, are some of my favorite villains that I've oh, seen in a video game as fuck. this year. They're fantastic. So Resident Evil Seven, you know, big fan. Uh, definitely brought the series back in a good way. Uh, for number two and number one, I I agonized over this for a bit. Um, Did you flip a coin? The no, I didn't flip a coin. <laughs> but these two are very very close together, and like Patrick. I'm going to say that my number two game pick for Game of the Year this year is Persona 5. Like Patrick, I have not actually beaten it completely yet because it's a jillion hours long and you could um, read the entirety of War and Peace and go learn to be a field medic uh, in the time that it takes to beat that fucking game. But it is so good. Um, it, is, it takes everything that was good about Persona 4 and iterates on it. Um, just the amount of style that mm -hmm. oozes from everything, even little things like the menu system. Um, oh, also, makes graphic designers swoon. I, now, I also like how... I, I did forget to mention, uh, and I did want to mention this. It has a stealth system that I don't hate. Yes, that is a fucking miracle. <laughs> a stealth system that doesn't make Patrick turn off the game. Because I've seen this guy just rage at, like, the most basic, like, training wheel stealth shit. But it's it's done well. And the soundtrack, my god, it's it's just... It, it's it's a it's a coin toss as to whether Persona Four or Persona Five has the better soundtrack, but they're both they're both stealth. I will be getting the Dancing All Night mm -hmm. games. Oh, definitely. And, uh, and Persona Q, too. I'm actually looking forward to that as well. So, number one, um, in part, I picked this for not, a, I'm about to say, a political reason, not a, a national politics reason, but a video game politics reason, because, in part, it has been snubbed pretty badly in everybody's um, Game of the Year lists. But uh, it is the... And the other reason I'm picking it is because it's the only video game that I have played this year that made me cry. <laughs> when I got to the stunning, fourth-wall-breaking, emotional, final, secret ending of Near Automata, uh, it blew my fucking mind. Um, this game, I, I love Platinum Games, I love Yoko Taro... The two of them together have created something that is a fucking work of art. Um, it is a game that is simultaneously an action RPG, a top-down shooter, a character action game. It builds back on itself in loops to put out more context. It's it's funny as hell. It's tragic as fuck. 
Um, it also has a fucking amazing soundtrack. It actually, unlike 99% of video games ever made, actually has something to say about the human condition. And yeah, the ending made me cry. So <laughs> my personal pick for game of the year is Nier Automata, uh, which is available wherever fine video games are sold. And GameStop. <laughs> yes, and GameStop. You can you can get it with actually they stopped that program. Did you hear what, pro, uh, what? the the program where you could check out the oh, game? The, what the we talked about thing? last week, the blockbuster video thing. Yeah, they've already stopped it. They've paused it indefinitely for some reason. Oh, did somebody abuse the system or something? I'm sure. Like that? You know, this cannot continue. They they want to put in like some sort of think geek stipulation where if you want to rent all these games, you have to buy like a Five Nights at Freddy's <laughs> flashlight or something. You have to buy the Five Nights at Freddy's pin set. Oh my god, GameStop is so. Terrible. That's how you get a Nintendo Switch these days. I don't know. So that's our uh, that's our game of the year. Uh, Patrick, I think you wanted to talk about an article re- about portable gaming. Sort of, yeah. Um, I, I found this uh, this article on Push Square. I thought it was very interesting, and I just kind of wanted to add my two cents in. Um, it's titled, After the Vita's Failure, Why Do People Now Want Console Games on the Go? It's written by Sammy Barker, who's the, uh, the main, um, I think he, I believe he's the main editor for the site. Wait, 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 wait. The Vita's a failure? <laughs> yeah. Uh... Now, I the, uh, this is news to me. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's. I was just playing my Vita. Well, I now mean, I have to look at it and sort of sternly shake my <laughs> finger at it. You're a failure. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, commercially it didn't do very well, and like even after a couple of years in, Sony stopped supporting it as anything other than a a, a PS4 peripheral. Yeah. Um, and now the only kind of games we get on there are like some some licensed games and like Hyperdimension Neptunia. Um, and visual novels. Don't forget visual novels. Yeah. There's a fucking visual novel on the Vita every fucking week. Um, anyway, um, <coughs> Mr. Barker's article, is, it's uh, it's not really a news article, it's like an opinion piece, basically. Yeah. And um, Well, that's what they all are these days. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, Mr. Mr. Barker um, uh, mentions like how at, at the time... Uh, of the, I guess the, when the Vita was first released and everything, it didn't do so well because it, it touted uh, console quality games and and nobody bit um, because the general consensus at the time was that um, people would rather play the console quality games on the big TV and not necessarily on the handheld. Right. But now all of a sudden that the Switch is out. All these console game quality games. I mean, the Switch is a console too, right? But, but it's also portable. It is also portable. You could say it switches between the two. Aha! Um, <laughs> but uh, now everyone's like over overexcited with games like you know Doom and Skyrim and La Noir out on the on the system, and um, everyone's super excited about having console quality games on the go now. And um, Mr. Barker is very confused, um, and he's wondering <laughs> what changed. Um, and uh, why why the Vita didn't do well if the, if that was going to be the case? Um, now I I have a Vita and I like my Vita. Greg has a Vita. He likes his Vita. I think the Vita is your um, your preferred portable console, correct? Yeah, right now it is. My my kid has the uh, my son has the 3DS more often than I do. Gotcha. So, yeah, I do pretty much most of my portable gaming on the Vita. Um, 
And, and while, while he does come up with some, some good points, um, I just kind of, you know, wanted to, to put my two cents in on this. Um, uh, I think that the reason why the, um, the, the console quality games didn't do so well on the Vita is because the console quality games weren't quite console quality, from what I remember. I'm going to agree with that. Um, now, when I mean console quality in this in this context, I mean um, having the same sort of degree of quality uh, graphically and all that, because graphics are what you know most of the people nowadays are aiming to do, aiming to look at with the with the games. I mean, there are still some people who, like myself, will place gameplay among most anything else. But there are still like. I, I, at least from my observations, like a grand majority of people are all about them graphics. And um, when I think of console quality, I think of com compared to the um, the contemporary console, which for the Vita was the PlayStation 3. And you did get a lot of, um, of, of console games that came out, on, or, or games that came out on both the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation Vita, not necessarily simultaneously, but they're, you know, the same games. You had games like... Uh, um, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 was one, mm -hmm. uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken, Resident Evil Revelations 2, Borderlands 2 was on there. Um, and even in Japan, they're still kind of doing it. They got, uh, uh, was it, Robot, uh, Super Robot Wars 3, uh, Z3 was there on there, Dragon Quest Heroes, not Dragon Quest Heroes, Dragon Quest Builders was on the Vita. Um, that was on and, the Vita in, in America as well. Yeah, in, in, in America as well. Uh, but it was in, in Japan, it was also on PS3, where it wasn't on PS3 over here. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and Gundam Breaker was the other one that comes to mind. Um, That's actually an interesting point. You list all of those, Robot Wars and Dragon Hero and Gundam, and all I hear is Japan, 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 which is sort of an, an issue with the Vita. Um, I guess you could say that. I mean, you can say it's an issue or not, but it, it, not so much to me, but it is very much a niche system. It is. Um, and going back to what you said with the the not being a full console game, I have played... Several of the sort of tentpole um, franchises for the PlayStation that came out on the Vita, and they by and large, they by and large they whiffed their opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. The hardware was not there to provide the experience. If you play um, like Assassin's Creed Three Liberation, Assassin's Creed Liberation—that was what I was trying to think of. Assassin's Creed Liberation. Or the Uncharted, the Uncharted Golden, Abyss. Golden Abyss, or the Killzone game that came out for place for the the Vita. None of them were really successful at replicating the console experience, and some of them, in the case of Assassin's Creed Three Liberation, were actively painful to play. <laughs> um, um, so that certainly caused some trouble. And and when you're going for a, a, um, a demographic that is all about dem graphics. Uh, I have actually seen, um, you know, graphic the graphics on the like the PS3 games compared to their Vita ports. Right. Um, Gundam Breaker is a good example of this, um, where it looks really good on the PS3, and then you look at the you know the exact same thing on the Vita, and you know the textures are muddy, and it seems a little bit. I mean, not really more po polygonal, but it, it's it isn't anywhere near as good as on the PS3. And now you've got the Switch, and the Switch, um, well, I do know that I, it is still better graphic quality on the TV than it is on the, on the, on the handheld side of things, because it goes down to 720p. Uh, it still looks really good. 
Like, people are... Um, From what I've seen, it does. Um, people are still um, saying about um, how good, like Do- like I was saying earlier, how good Doom looks on the Switch. Um, compared to what they were expecting, I guess. Yeah. Um, and um, that's, I think that, that, since that's kind of... I mean, I don't know if it's also just because Nintendo fanboys are going for it, but... Um, it's seeming to it seems to hook in a lot more people because of that because you can still play on the TV, but you can also play it on handheld. I'm, I I get that and it's it's impressive. I'm not sure. I, I'm just gonna have to see how sales shake out switch wise because <laughs> may I could certainly be wrong. I've been wrong before, but I don't see that many people lining up to purchase Skyrim in the year of our Lord 2017 at near full price without you know mods or, or anything like that. That's true. Maybe the fact that it's portable will will change that? I don't know, but... Well, I mean, if you can find and get a Switch, um, most people are going for... Well, I mean, most people are going to be going for Breath of the Wild and, and Mario Switches Odyssey. Switches are definitely... Um, are they easier to find now? They're definitely easier to find. I've been seeing them a lot in Target. Okay. I think that's a thing in, in Japan, honestly, when it comes to graphics. You don't really... Do you see that... I? I, I keep thinking of, like, the the further away you get from the mainstream with regards to Japanese games, you have games, even, like, Persona 5, more or less looks the same on the PlayStation 3 versus the PlayStation 4. And then you have games like Ease and Disgaea, mm-hmm. where the graphic settings are more or less the same across consoles. I mean, the, the Vita version of Disgaea 4 does not look significantly different than Disgaea 5 on the the Vita. Or not the Vita, it's not on the Vita. The PlayStation 4. So I wonder to what extent graphics are that important when you get into a a niche market like that. I guess it really does go for more mainstream stuff and more people do seem to be getting Zelda and Mario than anything else right now. Well, yeah, I mean, those have always been system sellers for Nintendo. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just Zelda box. I just figured I'd you know put my two cents in on yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. It's an, it's an interesting idol. Good read. Go, go check it out. Very good. I'll I'll try to put a link in the description of the uh, episode. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'll try. Uh, so, boy, I'm looking at our schedule here, and there's just one thing left, and it's the it's the event. word Battlefront written in all caps. <laughs> and then in quotation marks underneath of it, I've written, "Don't buy Star Wars Battlefront 2. Ooh, if you boy. don't, if you don't have any more time to listen to the podcast, just don't buy Star Wars Battlefront Two. And <laughs> just too long didn't listen. <laughs> consider that, yeah, that's the TLDR of like the next like twenty minutes. But who boy, uh, Battle Fucking Front. Where do we begin? What a roller coaster it has been. Um, uh, mostly a downhill one. So if you're not familiar, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what's going on, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not familiar with Star Wars Battlefront, uh, it's a long-running uh, shooter series. Uh, it's basically a Star Wars version of the popular Battlefield franchise. Maybe that's in um, developer, too. Yes, it was rebooted um, a couple of years ago. I, I don't remember. I think it came out in 2015. The, it was the around the time one. Episode 7 came out. Right. It was cross-promoted with Episode 7, and now this is being cross... It's going to be cross-promoted with Episode 8. I'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, Battlefront is a capital B big deal. Uh, the first... I hate calling it the first Battlefront, because it's not really the first, but the rebooted Battlefront, uh, to date, has sold about 14 million copies. 
So yeah, it's a it's a big fucking deal. Uh, it came out right when the Force Awakens came out, caused a lot of cross brand promotion with Star Wars, uh, and now there is a new Star Wars Battlefront two that uh, has come out this week. I believe I don't remember. It's either about to come out. People are playing it now because they've got the EA Connect thing where you've got the the beta or whatever. So, as as you know, uh, as we've been talking about, particularly last last week, uh, previous episode, all games now have to have god awful microtransaction systems in them, mm-hmm. and Battlefront Two is probably the biggest offender. To date, Battlefront 2 is a $60 video game. Okay? Mm-hmm. And it has. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself here. There are, are two basic problems with Battlefield 2 when it comes to microtransaction systems there are hero cards and star cards. Uh, both are unlockable with in game currency that you get. You get one um, large influx of in-game currency for beating the single-player campaign and then you get it during multiplayer matches. Uh, The hero cards are used to unlock various heroes like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Yes, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader are not fucking unlocked when you get (laughs) fucking Star Wars Battlefront. And star cards are, if you had played the previous uh, Battlefront uh, there is a sort of a, a card layout that's put on top of the, the multiplayer action. Uh, in the previous game, it changed your layout, your loadout, uh, what grenades and weapons you had. As now they Battlefield pro- does, yeah. Now they provide um, stat boosts and stat changes to your character. So the, the big issue is that uh, when the game... The, 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 I have to I have to to get the timeline straight here. Before all of this bullshit happened, uh, Battlefront's most expensive characters, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, both cost forty thousand of the forty thousand credits of the in-game currency to unlock. Were they locked behind a, uh, an RNG or no? Could you just straight up get them? I don't think you can straight you cannot straight up purchase them. You can purchase loot crates to get currency. So it's behind an RNG. Yes. Uh, you get, you got a one-time credit boost of 10,000 credits for completing the single player. And you get between 200 and 400 credits, depending on performance for a single match in multiplayer that takes 20 to 25 minutes. So people sat down and figured this out and realized that in order to unlock one character in Star Wars Battlefront, say Darth Vader, which is the one that's getting all the, the fucking headlines without spending additional money beyond your $60 purchase, <laughs> you would have to grind for about 40 hours of gameplay. And that's also, you don't buy any other loot crates with that. For one fucking character. Yes, like and like most games, um, it does have a loot crate system that is tied to progression. As you level up, you unlock loot crates. You also get a small amount of the in-game currency. Loot crates have a, a possibility to have hero cards and star cards in them, uh, particularly rare star cards. They also have uh, amounts of currency in them. So, as you can imagine... the Oh, the other thing is the fucking star cards. Jesus Christ, there's just so much with this. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I keep talking, but there's so goddamn much with this game. 
Star cards give your character boosts. Boosts! You've got boost power! I have been watching videos of people playing Battlefront and comparing. Uh, Boba Fett, his default special move when you have the, the, the default Boba Fett is this shitty rinky-dink rocket launcher thing that he pulls out and shoots. And one piddly little pissant rocket goes <laughs> flying with... When you have the super rare special edition card, instead he whips out this giant dick rocket launcher <laughs> and shoots this huge spread of micro missiles that causes this giant area of effect damage. Oh, it turns into an episode of Macro. It's gotcha. fucking <laughs> insane. People, uh, you have snow speeders and tie fighters and shit that, when fully upgraded, turn thirty degrees faster, shoot thirty degrees faster than the default versions. Um, as you can imagine, this is really, really bad. Yeah. Uh, this is pretty much as bad as it gets. Um, we've talked about uh, the slippery slope where you, you have cosmetic things that are locked behind loot crates. You have bonuses that are locked behind loot crates in free-to-play games. And now we have a situation where a AAA video game is coming out that has heroes and actual gameplay boosts locked behind either massive amounts of grinding or uh, payment. And, yeah, according to this article uh, from Reset Era, unlocking everything in Battlefront 2, the estimate is that it would require you 4,528 hours of grinding or $2,100. Oh, that's only 12 off from a Rush song. So, oh, damn. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, as you can imagine, there's been a bit of a backlash about this. Tiny bit. A little bit. A little bit of anger. A little bit of panic from Wall Street that this is going to negatively impact the sales. Um, people express their anger on the internet and... Uh, recently, someone uh, made a thread specifically about the Darth Vader being locked, and an EA rep actually responded to it with some of the most boilerplate, garbage fucking <laughs> PR bullshit speak imaginable. And it is currently the most downvoted comment in Reddit history. At, at, the, at the time that Greg showed me the article, or at least the time the article was written, it was down to like 300,000, like minus 300,000, which is like a landslide from what the previous record oh, yeah. was. The, la the the previous one was like 35,000, and the last time I checked it, it was negative 477,000 karma. Like, holy shit. Who is not downvoting that? It would be a, a, a smaller, uh, a shorter list. EA, EA personnel. Uh, EA also, so EA has taken quote unquote steps to address this. Mm -hmm. um, first thing, do anything. the first thing that they did, uh, or that they have done, is that they decreased the cost of the top tier of game heroes from 40,000 points to 40,000 credits to 10,000 credits. Now you're thinking, Greg, that, that sounds pretty good. Um, remember when I told you that you get a 10,000 credit bonus for completing the, uh, the main campaign? Yeah, that's great. That means I can beat the campaign and I can immediately get my favorite hero. No! Bad! <laughs> you only get 
4,000 credits for completing the campaign now. And also, it's 10,000 credits for a chance to get your favorite character, not just a... No, those are unlocked. Oh, those are unlocked. Those okay. are unlocked. I'm sorry. Okay, I, um, my, I got my... You can't, you can't directly spend... When I meant it's behind an RNG, I meant you cannot directly spend money to buy the character. You have to... You can't exchange real-world money for points in the way that you can with, say, League of Legends. In fact, this entire progression system is very similar to the one that's used in League of Legends. The difference is that League of Legends is A, a free game, and B, ironically, League of Legends is less fucky to its players because it at least has a weekly rotation of heroes that are free to play for that week. Uh, you don't get a free week with Darth Vader and then a free week with Boba Fett. You get a lovely, you get a lovely romantic date with Nian Nub. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and um, other thing. So yeah, as I, I, you can imagine, uh, everyone's been upset about this. Uh, and what's really interesting to me is that the absolute garbage game media is actually somewhat on the ball this time. It's not just the the people that I expect to be, like Eric Kane of Forbes, who was awesome, but um, even over in, in Kotaku, uh, Heather Alexandria has been calling out this as complete bullshit with like three or four articles at this point. So I'm definitely impressed with that. Even, even the places like Kotaku and Polygon are starting to get uh, pissed about this. And as well they should, because if you look at this Eric Kane article from November 13th, uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 reveals one ugly truth about game reviews. It actually comes out that this you're going to love this. So I haven't heard this yet, I don't think. Most of the, video, most of the, the publications that have reviewed Star Wars Battlefront uh, reviewed it at a special uh, event where they were invited in, they were given... Mm -hmm refreshments, there were developers on hand, and they played Star Wars Battlefront to get an idea of it. Leaving aside that this is, is shady as fuck, whatever, who cares, it's payola, fuck it. Uh, you might notice that none of those early reviews mentioned anything about this credit system. That's because the review copy that they were playing had a dramatically decreased uh, cost for all of the heroes and star cards. <laughs> so they gave the reviewers one, one thing. And, you know, you go to the menu and you see, oh, yeah, this thing costs, you know, $2. Well, this all seems very above board. And then they turn around and, they, you know, they peel the sticker off and there's the $20. You know, it's, it's to serve man, you know, to serve... Uh, no, it's the, the fucking Simpsons joke where it's to serve how how to serve humans, how to serve forty humans, how to serve four forty humans. You know that fucking thing. Yeah. Um. It's so it's real bad. Uh. Yesterday they did an AMA on Reddit. Uh. The EA developers. Oh. I don't fucking know why you would do an <laughs> AMA. Big mistake. Someone wants to get. Someone wants to whip their interns like dogs, I guess. And uh, I did look over that. It was very bad. None of the um, the how, how many issues times were were addressed. Um, how many times did people ask, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> uh, in nicer terms than that, it was most of the questions. I mean, <laughs> so I have talked a lot. I'm I. I should be letting you talk more. I have so much well, to say about this. I, I haven't. I haven't been following this as closely as you have. So I um, fair enough. 
But uh, I think that the most damning thing about this is that uh, even though uh, there are a lot of um, you know journalists and whatnot and call- mm. actually calling out EA on their bullshit this time, this time, yeah, people are still going to fucking buy this. Because, oh, yeah. oh my god, it's a Star Wars thing. It, go have now, yourself a Star War. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because there are articles now appearing in, like, financial publications about sort of a skittishness that's, that's growing among investors that this game might actually bomb. Um, it likely is not going to happen, though. Um, the, my personal hope is that there's at least enough backlash to stem the tide in terms of of how this is going because this could be a bellwether for really terrible behavior in in AAA gaming going forward and we really can't see this having too much lasting appeal you know as EA said they wanted a game to have because i think you pointed this out Greg to me yeah I w- there there were there were three waves yeah, we were talking about this on Facebook last night. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's basically three waves of people who are going to pick this game up. Uh, the people who are picking it up now. Uh, the people who are going to watch Star Wars The Last Jedi on December 15th and then go pick it up. Because EA has already said on an earnings call that they're going to do a big cross-promotion sale on it when the movie comes out. And that's when I got suckered into buying the first one. Uh, and then the people who hop on whenever it, it actually drops to what we'd consider a bargain price uh, around the the twenty dollar mark. And it's those people when they <laughs> when they you know jump in like everyone else who's already been playing the game, they're going to have their their more their super powered up Boba Fett's with their big dick rockets, <laughs> and um, they're not they're they're that's not big dick be... rocket Mandalorian <laughs> bounty hunter dick. Ooh, and um, you know these people aren't going the, the, the people who just pick up. I mean EA's not going to care. They still got the money. Um, but uh, these other these people are just coming in. They're not going to want to play it. and They're not going to want to spend. I don't want to play it. I already get the cr- shit beaten out of me by twelve year olds in their parents' basements. Now, if they've got their parents' credit cards, they're going to shoot more rockets than me. But I mean, these people aren't going to want to spend more money just to do that because they're they're it's, it's already unfair. They're not going to like that. And I can't see this again having lasting appeal other than maybe like after a year. And even though EA. Themselves, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Uh, they they, ha- they even said like outright they want to have games that have appeal that will last for you know years and years. And then they went and canned the development company that was making a game that would have had that kind of appeal. Yes, and then they true. made this shit. Yeah, I think that's really that's what's so utterly fucking insidious about it. Um, there's a term in consumerism and and late-stage capitalism called planned obsolescence. Um, Planned obsolescence is when a product is designed to be obsolete, to be be not... to be replaced within a certain period. There are lots of examples of this. Everything from, from Apple changing the charge point... charge ports and headphone ports on the iPhone every couple of uh, iterations so that people have to buy a whole new set to really insidious shit like appliance makers using parts that will break after five or six years so that uh, most people, when it breaks, will instead go buy a newer, shinier um, refrigerator or or oven. Uh, I think one of the... It goes... I I don't want to get fucking, like, hackneyed and, like, like, uh, naive or whatever, but I, I honestly think it goes 
to the heart and soul of video games because if you're a developer, if you're a, a game maker, like the platonic ideal is to make a game that can be played forever. Like I said earlier, I played Left 4 Dead 2 for the first time in years. That game has been out for a decade and still has thousands of people playing it because it's still fun. Um, that is the ideal that everyone who makes a multiplayer video game is trying to achieve. But on the publisher end, the yeah, that's where idea annual releases. it's priced in to have people quit the game because they don't give a shit. They EA only gives a shit about the 1-3% to of players who are whales, who are going to spend hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars on Battlefront. And they're going to milk that dry for as long as they can and and make the game unpalatable just in time for Battlefront the 3. next one. And this is something that's not even the case with AAA series because people play the old Call of Duties all the time. Um, they don't have that sort of planned obsolescence uh, built into them. But... Oh, shit. Um... I'll edit this part out. You know, other game companies... Other game companies come up with ways to do this. If, if it's something free like... Um, Hearthstone. Uh, what it does where the... The ranked mode, you can only use the last expansion or whatever. Uh, so that new players can still get into the game. They're, they're not doing any of that um it is it's beyond the pale to see a developer purposefully making a game more unpleasant to play over time that is is it's repugnant to me really um and i just i don't know I really don't want that to become the norm in in video game in AAA video games in any it, fucking video games. I, I, in all honesty, I think it, it already has, and that's one. <laughs> of, I mean, like seriously, I I, I don't know. I, I, people really haven't asked me, but I'm. But uh, you know, I I don't play a lot of new video games. Um, I usually see it as like, oh, that's the same shit we got last year. Um, and I, I noticed that it's always like, you know, Activision and EA and Ubisoft are always doing this every year and they rush out a new game and they don't even care if there's any bugs in it cause they can just patch it later. Um, and I'm just here, like, I'm just going to play Zelda or Link, you know, Link's Awakening or what is something like Again. that. Again. Yeah. Something that I've already played like 20 years ago because I already know that it's good and it's fun and it can last forever. Um, but I, I don't want to, you know, necessarily... I, I want to feel justified in spending all that money on a game. Uh, I don't want to, to be... I, um, a good example of this, and this is a, a rare Nintendo example, uh, is The Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks. Um, it is my most hated game of all time. <laughs> um, in 2007, uh, The Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass came out for the DS. And I didn't care for it that much because even though this was three years after the DS came out and everyone else had more or less gone beyond the gimmick stage of things and they were just, you know, starting to make regular games for it, Nintendo wanted the first Zelda game to be the gimmick one. So it had full touchscreen control and it was terrible. Uh, and then 
two years later, Spirit Tracks came out for the DS. And I'm like, oh, well, they've actually had two years to make a new Zelda game. And uh, this is the first time where a new Zelda game hasn't come out um, within a year of the last one. And it was the exact same fucking game. It just with with trains instead uh, with a train instead of a boat, mm-hmm. and they took out um, one of the things I actually liked was being able to draw the path with, for the boat to go. Uh, now you're on track, so the, the point is moot. But you can at least still mark on your map, I guess. But it was the, the exact same game engine, uh, and it was it was worse. I actually f- was at a point in time where I owned every Zelda game, and I couldn't um, be prideful of that fact unless I beat every single one. I forced myself. Uh, to play Spirit Tracks, and it was terrible. And um, luckily, I don't do that kind of thing anymore. But um, that's just one of the one of the main main things that makes me think more about, you know, is this game going to be any good, or is it going to be more of the same shit? And just like Patrick, the the only way things will change is if we change. Um, I and it's an uphill battle. I. I want to say lastly, um, let me inject a little bit of mirth into this because I've gotten dangerously close to being trite and serious here talking about the heart and soul of video games. Jesus Christ. What the fuck? Who the fuck do I think I am? There's a conspiracy theorist inside of me. Um, I don't believe... I I come from a family of conspiracy theorists and and I don't believe in the completely insane ones like... Uh, the government poisoning us with chemtrails or our politicians being reptilians. But if you, you ask me, Greg, who, who shot JFK, uh, I, can, I can talk about that topic for, for quite a while. It was the CIA, by the way, but that's <laughs> for another episode. Um, part of me is absolutely convinced that this was the plan all along. Um, Battlefront, EA had a version of Battlefront with lower costs. For their their shit ready to go um I, I talked to you about this the other day how ea games media is so terrible and ea is so good at manipulating it that back when the beta happened there were all these articles about how bad the beta was what sort of problems it had and they immediately pushed out this thing about about fixing it and instantly the the narrative changed from this game has problems to they're fixing these problems without them actually having to do anything. It's just about manipulating the narrative Mm -hmm. around them. So the narrative has already been changed from there is the narrative was molded into you have to spend 40 hours to unlock Vader. And now it's, you only have to spend seven hours to unlock Vader because people complained, hooray, we did it. And people are missing the fact that the underlying toxic-ass gambling loot crate system has not been touched. And all they've done is reduce the grind to the point that an ordinary person might be able to unlock one or two heroes. And I absolutely think that this was planned from the beginning. I don't think they planned to have it blow up in their faces this badly. But I absolutely think that it was set up all along for it to be reduced to make people feel like they're actually making a difference without actually fixing any of the underlying problems, which could only be fixed by completely revamping and removing the loot crate system and and costing them untold amounts of money from video game gambling addicts. Potential money. 
mean, they're because they, they, they're going to make that money. Oh yeah, you got to make that money because it's not like you were going to make enough money actually just selling the game. No, because you know it's not like Star Wars makes money. I mean, I know you really gotta you really gotta hustle to make. It's not like well, it's not like Star Wars is some franchise that's existed for thirty years that you slap it on every fucking thing from lunch boxes to best dispensers and it just prints fucking money. No, Star Wars is very difficult to sell. <laughs> yeah, BB-8 ice cube trays. I don't know. So yeah, um, Battlefront. It's bad. Don't buy Star Wars Battlefront two if you value video games and their future. If if you love this medium, if you love what it can do, if you love what things like Nier Automata and Persona and Undertale show us that it's capable of. For the love of God, I beg you, please do not buy Battle Star Wars Battlefront 2. Do not buy it when it comes out. Do not buy it when you see The Last Jedi. Do not even buy it when it becomes $20 and is on sale. Do Just... not buy it on a train. Do not buy it on a plane. I will not buy it on a train. I will not buy it in the rain. I will not buy it on Steam. I will not buy it on the fucking portable... <laughs> Switch version that will come out next year. <laughs> I will not buy it, EAUR. I fucking hate you. Uh, so, did you want to go ahead and call it there? I think that might be a good idea. Alright, folks. Uh, next week, a whole other batch of drama will have occurred, and we will be back here to uh, spit some shit for your, uh, directly into your earlobe needs. Uh, I'm Greg. And I'm Patrick. And uh, we'll see you next time, next week. Uh, join us, won't you? <laughs> <laughs>